You're listening to the Nuff Said Podcast, real strategies for customer success. Hey, this is Chris, co-founder of Nuff Said. And on today's podcast, we asked Sherelle from Arrows about how to implement continuous onboarding at your company. And here's what we learned. First, continuous onboarding means treating the entire customer journey as an opportunity to onboard. And that means things like adding new features, new users, new stakeholders, et cetera. Two, you begin by developing continuous onboarding for high-touch customers, where you discover common challenges and needs of customers. Then three, you take that learning and apply small chunks to low-touch customers, including help desk articles, how-to trainings, and webinars. And finally, you measure success by looking at number of customers who have been onboarding with a goal of getting to 100%. So that's the TLDR. Let's jump in. Hey there, I am Sherelle Nerman. I lead our success and onboarding efforts here at Arrows. Arrows was created to help with customer onboarding, both from the high touch lens and just helping customers move through those phases, putting what you need them to do in front of them. At the end of the day, we are a dynamic action plan with extra power to help you run your customer success efforts. Before that, I was working on customer onboarding and success and lifecycle programs at Sprout Social and Booking.com for the last 10 years or so. Joined Arrows recently to work on those pieces here. Yeah, thanks, Sherelle, for joining us today. Very exciting topic around customer onboarding today. And one of my favorite things that you say is that onboarding never ends, but (laughs) you work for a company that specializes in onboarding. So is it self-serving to have that mantra? Uh, a little bit, yes. In 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 theory, yes, onboarding never ends, and that should at least spike your curiosity to check out arrows or tools like it. But the truth is the mantra came well before the company. We've been talking about it in that lens for a while now, and it's more around the idea that investing in onboarding long term is a better approach than trying to time box it or say you have to do x amount of calls or x amount of check-ins within a given time frame because that customer life cycle and that customer journey spans well beyond those first 30 days or, or whatever we deem as that onboarding stage so it's not to say don't focus on onboarding it's actually the opposite do it more focus on it long term get those initial pieces absolutely right. They are critical to that customer journey. But then from there, know that you will be investing in the function of onboarding well beyond those first couple of weeks or first couple of months. And that's all to continue driving value to your customers and getting them to use your product and your service more. Most of the stuff that's been written on onboarding is about things like time to value and making sure that the customer has a smooth transition from the sales team to the CS team. But what does it mean to, to have onboarding that never ends? Can you give some examples of what that would look like? Right. It's, it actually is what you touched on. It's driving customers to that value to, or to those value moments, but it's doing it continuously. And that's because you, you are going to update your features. You're going to add new design to your tool or service. Your customers might be bringing on a new point person or a new user or a new head of success who's coming in to change tooling. All of those individual moments are an opportunity to continue to deliver value to customers. So in that sense, it should never end. And if you do that, now you're combating those initial customer acquisition costs and actually improving your lifetime value because the two components of lifetime value that are actually in our control 
are the tenure or the length the customer sticks around with you and how much they're spending with you. And so good onboarding, as, as we define it, is keeping customers around longer and getting them to grow their business with you. Why limit that to just those first few weeks? Like if you can convey that over time and get those moments to occur again and again and again in that lifetime, then that lifetime value itself exponentially it grows versus just that one instance of initial growth. Yeah, I, I really like that framing. So let's talk a little bit more specifically about what good continuous onboarding looks like. So can you give us some of the nitty gritty details of how you actually implement a program like right. this? Yeah. So it starts with it starts with that high touch one to one world. In, in the sense that you need to know what is working with customers, what and to do that, you need to know what your product is solving for. So the standard stuff is asking discovery questions, knowing what customers' pain points are, their jobs to be done, what, what are the problems they're trying to solve for, using your onboarding initially to drive towards those pieces. So if someone is telling you they want better reporting, figure out how to get them to use the reporting suite in your product, but also what are the steps to get them to see value from the reporting suite? So basically conveying all the how-to stuff. How do you get into our product? How do you set up the product? How do you use it to solve your pain points? To actually scale it from there, you have to have those pieces and then determine which of that needs to happen in these early lifecycle moments. This goes back to that onboarding never ends piece in that if you don't have to jam everything into those first two or three calls, which likely no one's listening to anyway, then you actually buy yourself more time to convey that value. And to that customer, it's a perception that you provide value well beyond just that sales cycle or just that onboarding cycle. So now you're setting customers up to actually come back to your check-ins, to do those QBRs more proactively. You could be reducing downstream tickets to support for asking questions because now you're proactively answering them. So start with that human-led onboarding, what is working there, and then take pieces of that out and turn that into reusable content. Turn that into help center articles, turn that into best practice posts. From there, stem into webinars. If you start doing webinars, you're reaching more people. They're still obviously human led, but you're also recording them. Now you have on demand content. From there, break that on demand content down into really digestible chunks, two or three minute videos, so that they are also not outdated. You, you don't want to re record hour long videos, and your customers don't want to watch hour long videos. So breaking that down into those digestible chunks now gives you a repeatable, scalable process. In today's world, if, you, if this is housed in learning management systems or different wiki type pages, you get data on what is being opened, what's being digested, tie that to the actual customer behaviors of what they are doing in your app or, or also as importantly, what they're not doing in your app. And you get to now optimize your onboarding content. So not only are you not ending that value delivery, but you're also not ending the optimization of your own program and your content because you're constantly now measuring all of these different data points, for lack of better terms. So to summarize, it sounds like start with the high-touch customers because you get frequent interactions and you can iterate on the types of problems and experiences that a typical customer will go through as part of onboarding. Use that experience to take chunks of that to automate it. So lots of different forms of automation, email, webinars, et cetera. What's interesting is actually once you have this library of kind of tech touch, low touch, whatever you're going to call it, content, you could probably apply some of that back to the high touch folks, I'm guessing, 
So it ends up being kind of this virtual, virtuous cycle of, you know, more efficient onboarding. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we shy away from putting that kind of content in front of our quote unquote enterprise customers, but we don't know that you're talking about learning styles at the end of the day. I actually might want to read a piece of content on my own and then go dabble in your tool or product before jumping on a call with you. So don't assume that that high touch also equates to high value. That might not always be the case. You can have just as high quality content, whether it's a short form article or even a short video that conveys that same value or that same message. Take it to two steps from there, I like to think of our content as how-to stuff and why-to stuff. The how-to is the setup, the tutorials, the step-by-step instructions, which we tend to do in onboarding because the tool often isn't as intuitive as our designers might think it is, or we're a little biased towards our own processes, but no one else actually understands it. So build a lot of that how-to stuff based on what you're seeing is clicking with customers or go downstream, if you get the same question multiple times in a support ticket, you probably need some sort of proactive piece of content that answers that question. Now you move that up the life cycle, put that in front of customers earlier, that becomes part of your sales handoffs or your help centers, and you're getting customers to do the how-to stuff sooner and sooner and sooner, and in turn, focus some of that energy on the why-to stuff. So this turns into webinars that talk about more strategy or how to apply the things we just learned, best practice posts, more longer blogs or articles on industry topics that relate to why a customer should be using your tool a certain way. You're you're ensuring customers will do the steps you want them to do, but you're also teaching why they should be doing those steps. And this goes back to the reason they initially signed up for your product. Teaching them that why is what's going to get them to either come back for your future check-ins Or if not, which is also fine, they're learning why they should be doing it and potentially in the app or in your product doing it themselves regardless. And if you're measuring and tracking all that, you can deem these customers as quote unquote onboarded without having to necessarily have every single call or every single check-in with them. Okay, let's go through one example to make sure that we all understand the difference here between, you know, continuous onboarding mindset and not. So for a team that has fully bought into the continuous onboarding methodology, how would they, for example, roll out a new feature to the customer base as opposed to a a company that has not bought into this continuous onboarding philosophy? Right. If you're not bought into it, you might try to drop everything you're doing and revamp your entire onboarding process, which might be two or three calls or over two or three weeks in that initial time frame, And now you're just talking about that feature, which is fine, but you might be talking about it out of place in that that customer might have to do a certain number of steps to even unlock that feature or unlock the value of that feature. You might be throwing that in the middle of a lot of this how-to conversation and it should be more part of this why-to conversation you might not need to revamp your onboarding process at all. That could just be a check-in from a, from a standard customer success manager during a quarterly business review. It could come from your product marketing side of the house, and it could just be an email update with how this feature now works and a quick blurb on why it matters for the rest of the education we've given you. So you might end up redoing everything when you don't really need to, And in turn, putting more pressure on your teams to learn a new process, putting more pressure on customers to attend another call, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 
when in actuality that could have just come a month later or a couple of months later or in a different form of education, be it webinars or that on-demand stuff. Yeah, thank you, love it. I think the last question is, how should a company measure the effectiveness or the impact of a continuous onboarding program? And I think the usual stuff of like time to value and I think all that's been well covered before. Is there anything else that you would layer on top of that? Yeah, I, I think set, I mean, to your point, you can look at the retention, the revenue, all those pieces. Set yourself a high level metric of, I wanna onboard 100% of my customers. Like make that a, a company wide initiative. A, you need that buy-in from the different departments to ever get there. But B, it's also a strong rallying cry to get people behind. Like it's an easy number to measure. Then define, also know that you're realistically never gonna onboard 100% of your customers. So as I say that, it's unrealistic because again, we have different learning styles, we have different schedules, we have different needs for education, but it becomes that rallying cry we can all get behind, then chip away at measuring what degree of progress are we making towards that 100% and through which avenues. So one-to-one human onboarding is limited by the number of headcount you have, right? After a while, you know how many customers each individual rep can onboard, how many of them they can get to a month, a quarter, and so on. So you're going to have, let's say, 20% of your entire customer base going through that. Now, measure the rest of that 80%. Are they doing on-demand stuff? Are they doing in-app onboarding? Are they reading Help Center articles? And then to what degree? Are they watching all of the webinars in a series? Are they only watching bits and pieces of it? And then go a step further. Are they applying that call to action? Every, every piece of content or article or thing you're training on should have some sort of call to action. And that usually results in a behavior or an action you want a customer to take within your product or in your app. So now you can start to really measure, is it being absorbed and digested? Is the customer applying those things they're reading? And to what degree? Are, are we seeing patterns of increased logins or maybe decrease in session times, but the output is improving because now a customer is actually running more reports, which was the end of end goal of my training in the first place. So measure towards that 100% progress. That can be a, a, a monthly thing you look at. To go a little further, dig into that in-app behavior. Are customers doing those things we're asking them to do? And again, to what degree? Are we reducing things like support tickets? Are we actually reducing inbound reactive questions we had to get to by proactively answering them with the content we're creating? And so the more, the more times that answer is yes, the more reason and the more buy-in you'll have from other departments to actually go and work on more content, work on improving the product or the design of the product. As, as you have more of these onboarding flows built out and more customers are going through all of them, You'll also quickly learn where people are getting stuck, which is fine, but that's an opportunity for you to revisit your steps, your instructions, your UI. That's a, that's a good inward reflection moment to actually learn what is and isn't working in my process. That teaches you how to improve the process and how to really go into this continuous ever evergreen onboarding content to truly get to that point of onboarding never ends. You mentioned that in order to get to 100%, you'll need the help of other departments, but a lot of companies think of onboarding as a, as a CS problem to be solved. So what do you yeah. mean by including other teams in the effort to get everyone onboarded? Yeah, it's a CS problem until it starts to become a company problem when you start losing customers and losing revenue and then, and then people tend to care about it. So put that from the get-go in, in other people's minds 
to get that buy-in to, to truly scale and get to 100% customer onboarded and to have a true high touch and low touch approach, you need things like marketing, you need things like product involved, you need Salesforce engineers, you need developers, you need support. A, if, if you lay out what the value is, and you touched on this earlier with the lifetime value and the retention and those, those main metrics, showing the impact on those. So in those different pathways you're creating now, you can show that maybe the one-to-one onboarding is resulting in customers who do have over 100% net revenue retention and over 100% logo retention. So we can deem that as working. Now show the impact of how many customers are not getting that service and how you're going to get there. And how you're going to get there is those things like better product, better design, better feature creation, better product marketing, better customer marketing, better sales. So help those departments do their job better by taking out insights from that one-to-one onboarding program that tends to be success-driven and convey those insights to the rest of these folks working on those specific problems. And in reality, like what product marketer wouldn't want to know what customers think about the product and how to better market it? What designer or engineer wouldn't want to know which features are actually being used by customers and which ones are not or where they're getting stuck or how do we improve those pieces? So so as you build those different pathways and funnels, take the data from them and use those as maybe passive aggressive argumental points to go to these different departments and say, this is why I need your buy-in. This is why I need to have a seat at the table. This is why onboarding matters and it never ends and, and all that fun buzzwords that we can use there. But to, to truly do it, to truly scale it, you have to have buy-in from those other departments. And if you can tie its value, it's being onboarding's value to those bottom line metrics that we're, we all care about and measure, then you're more inclined to get them to care about what you're working on, care about investing time into it. I've worked in companies where we've created onboarding cross-departmental groups, but calling them onboarding guilds, for example, having a lead program manager kind of running the show. I've, I've been in that position myself multiple times and then working with these other departments to wrangle in why this project works, why we're conveying this one feature. And then you can really hone in on one specific feature, one aha moment, one value add and focus energy there and show how all of these departments working together can move customers to do that thing. This is where that high level metric of measuring to 100% comes into play. Because now you can say, okay, this month we actually onboarded 90% of our customers. Maybe it was just one feature or one, one pillar in the tool. But as a group, we were able to convey and move customers through this journey to see value here. Take that and apply that to the next feature and to the next pillar and, and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, what you're doing is driving more revenue. You're keeping customers around longer. You're reducing inbound questions, inbound tickets, inbound frustrations. Those learnings should help sales reps sell the product faster. Those learnings should help your product teams develop the product faster. Those learnings should help your marketing teams advertise it more effectively and in turn, improving that whole life cycle. And then you get to say, we did that. We were a part of that. We, we helped at least move that forward. Awesome, Sherelle. Thank you for joining us today, sharing your wisdom and experience and onboarding, helping us think differently and level up our own thinking about continuous onboarding. And uh, also, of course, wishing your, uh, your new company, Arrows, great success getting launched. Thank you. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity to chat. I'm always happy to dig into anything onboarded related. And that's it for this week's episode of Nuff Said. 
To learn more about Nufsed's proactive intelligence platform, you can visit nufsed.com. That's N-U-F-F-S-A-I-D.com. And you can follow Nufsed on LinkedIn. To tune into more real customer success strategies, head over to your podcast platform of choice and make sure you're subscribed. Thanks for tuning in. Nufsed.